Hi, everybody. This is Caitlin. And this is Jessica. And this is Calling All Spirits. How are you doing this evening, Jess? I am good. I just jumped on here. We actually had Circle tonight with my mentor here in Texas, which is really appropriate to be talking about seances that I literally just left the circle. (laughs) True. Well done. For those that don't know, maybe this is your first episode with us. Um, I am not a professional medium, but I am studying and I'm learning. I'm a student of mediumship. And so we meet for circles. So we did that tonight. And then I'm excited because this week I actually started with a brand new teacher mentor in, uh, well, a teacher in England. So I've got a new one and it's, he's fabulous. Like I already adore him and I love him. So that's really exciting. Very cool. That's way more exciting than anything I have going on. I'm so happy (laughs) for you. I didn't know you were starting the English classes already. Yeah, I I'm, it's too much. Like I feel, I feel like I've been wanting to go back to college for so long. Like, so now I'm just doing it with mediumship. So I have one starting in May, one starting right now, plus my stuff here locally. So you know how it is. Like I was one of those people that I loved college. I loved taking classes and I feel like that's just now continuing on. No, you're talking to the person who double majored because she wouldn't stop taking the classes in the other department. Yeah. So you feel me. So it's, I mean, just the other day, there was another mentorship and my husband's like, calm it down a little. We're already like in two and like, just pace yourself. <laughs> like, just pace yourself a little. That's fair. That's fair. I, uh, I feel like I need to pick up a class of some sort, but I haven't figured out which one I want to take yet because I need to find my footing here in hill country. It's a different, it's a different animal. I barely met your group before I moved away. So I and I know. Well, and I would think because like the Austin Hill Country area, it's pretty open to all of this. It is, but there are weird niches and moving during a pandemic is also not the greatest way to meet people. Like for the first year and a half solidly, I didn't really go out into public places that they're going to be crowded. And I've only kind of started going out a little bit. So I just need to... What's the, I'm the kid in kindergarten right now who's uh, sitting in the corner wondering why she has no friends. Uh, go, go out and meet people and maybe you'll make more friends. Oh, no, girl, I understand. I, I do this. I, I, I feel you. I understand. And in these classes, I kind of feel like I'm like, I don't know if I've made it to middle school yet. I feel like I'm in like maybe fifth grade. Maybe I'm moving into sixth grade <laughs> at this point. And they're all like high school, college. And it's like, okay. I got a little ways to go, but uh, but hey, I'm working on it. I'm trying. I'm learning. And I did look out really hard. One of my coworkers uh, ended up being part of a small little witchy group she was forming. And she said, cool, you're coming with us now. So I had the extrovert grab me and make me be social, which was fantastic because they're a great group of ladies. And some of them even listen to the podcast. Hi. <gasps> hello. Hello. <laughs> I, we be- it's exciting, like, to have listeners, like, hi, guys. <laughs> it is. And I'm happy to have them here because they seem to enjoy it, at least. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have a lot of people saying they're obligated and complaining about <laughs> being asked to listen. So, so far, it's, it's been pretty good. Actually, having a, a place or a even just a store nearby that I really feel yes. homey in. I found one that I'm kind of excited about, but I need to go back again. They're Beltane Festival actually is what's coming up and so I'm hoping I can go to that and see if I actually vibe over there because yeah. everywhere I'm recommended to go doesn't work right because I'm a contrary little child who doesn't like things <laughs> she's supposed to so 
no, oh, I no, I know you're going to find your group. And that is so important because you can't, I mean, it's just like with anything, like you don't vibe with everybody that does this type of work. You really do have to find your, the right little group. So I totally get that. But I mean, I'm so excited that you found several groups and you're intercontinental. <laughs> I was going to say most of mine, except for I do have a fabulous, amazing mentor here in town and group. But yeah, everybody else is in England. So we were looking at practice circles with that group and they're all like, I'm on English time or Australian time. And I'm like, oh, I'm either going to have to get up in like the middle of the night. <laughs> like, like, how are we going to make this work? So I mean, that that's the only tricky thing when most of them are overseas is the practice times. Yeah, that makes it a trick. Mm. Though I did get up and take that class with Arthur Finley at, I think it was 3 a.m. in the morning. Wow. Which, yeah, that, that will be a story for another podcast. When you sign up for a spirit art class, you should know how to draw. <laughs> which seems, that, that seems... Like a thing to understand, but I was so excited. I didn't realize it was a spirit art class. I thought we were just learning about spirits. I'm not really sure what I thought, but within the first 30 seconds, she was like, you're all artists, correct? No, 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 I am not. No. (laughs) So Don't beat yourself up too much. You've learned too much about automatic writing, which we'll talk about later. (laughs) You may have had that on your mind where it's a different kind of spirit art because you've met you've met readers who use (laughs) art in their readings and they don't require the ability to draw. No, that's true. And one that I guess I've only known one spirit artist and she's like an amazing artist and like everyone in the class is amazing. And I'm like, I can they're like, draw their loved one in spirit. It's like, um, it's a stick figure. (laughs) <laughs> he wore a hat <laughs> it was it, it it was interesting so yeah just pay attention to descriptions <laughs> of classes read that really well <laughs> you know i mean you brought I'm up trying. college look at the prereqs it makes a big difference <laughs> exactly that you know what one day i may if we do the whole story i may share the pictures i drew i did save them just for a laugh maybe that could be an instagram post Oh, that needs to be shared with the world. <laughs> I support that. You're... It'll brighten your day. It'll give you a laugh. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Speaking of spirits, we are not having to draw them tonight, but we are going to dive a little more into seances and communicating with them. Yeah, I mean, like, speaking of drawing and, and tools and techniques that you use in order to be able to bring the spirit forward... Our, our mediums in history weren't quite that gifted in the artistry of uh, basic drawing, but they did have other tools. They did, though there was a set of sisters. We'll we'll talk to them, talk about them, but they had art appear Ooh. when they didn't touch the canvas. So that was pretty cool. But we we will cover their story because it's, it's a neat one. But um, I think they were twins, too, which is really cool, too. But we're not going to talk about that tonight because that's kind of, we're going to save spirit art for its own episode. But we are going to go through some of the tools and methods that were used during seances because it wasn't just a medium speaking for those that have passed. They had lots of different ways they communicate with the spirits. Okay, so the first thing we're going to start with is direct voice mediumship. So this is a method of spirit communication in which the spirit speaks directly to the audiences without the use of the medium. So 
It's not the medium speaking for the spirit. It's just you're sitting in the seance and you hear voices. So they're completely independent of the medium. Now, some direct voice mediums would go into a trance. And so they, while they went into their trance, that's when people would start hearing the voices. And it said even at times the medium would talk to these phantom voices. Like they'd carry on a conversation in the room, but they weren't coming through the medium. Just one more thing, because I thought this was neat. One of the most popular direct voice mediums was uh, Elizabeth Blake. And it's estimated that 200,000 people attended her seances over the years. And she actually used a spirit horn, which for those that don't know, it's kind of like, it's literally like the spirit horns people use for like football games or soccer games. Well, if you're in Britain, football. If you're in America, it's like football (laughs) and soccer games. But there are these really long horns. I guess it's not just Britain. Sorry. Basically the rest of the world except for America. Everywhere that isn't here, it's football because you use your feet. Here we use football and we use it to just kick the field goal and that's it. It's (laughs) not really a football. It's a lemon ball here. (laughs) Exactly. I'm sorry. I should have clarified that. So everyone except for Americans, (laughs) we need to specify. But there were these long trumpet-like horns. And here's what she would do. She'd put the small part like where your mouth goes up to her ear and then the voices would come out the end, other end of the trumpet. So she just hold it up to her ear and people would start hearing the voices, which is really cool. She was so popular that Sir Arthur Conan Doyle claimed she was one of the most gifted direct voice mediums of the time. And actually two experts that were pros at detecting fraudulent mediums, they, they were actually convinced she was authentic. She was the real deal. They couldn't find any fraud with her. So that is direct voice mediumship. That's very impressive. And I have to imagine it would be very disconcerting if you had it happen spontaneously. As the medium, That you, when you discovered that's one of your gifts, that's that would strike me as disconcerting. Not going to lie. Well, yeah, because I like what if you don't know it's one of your gifts and you're just sitting there and all of a sudden people are like, do you hear like you just start hearing voices and we should specify this isn't just the medium hearing them. It's everybody in the room is hearing these voices. But Kate, if you think about it, like we've been in places that have spirits. True. And one of the most common things you do is you hear voices when there's no one else around you. Yeah, that's fair. And it does kind of remind me of the stories you have of little kids with uh, best friends where mom goes in to see who the kid's talking to and there's no one else there, even though she heard distinctly two or more voices. (gasps) You're right. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's direct voice technically. That would be, I have to admit, I, I think if I was sitting in a seance that if I just started hearing this voice from nowhere, I think that would creep me out more than other things. That's what I mean by disconcerting. Like that would be yeah. unsettling, I think is a better word. It'd be more unsettling than some of the other techniques would be. I agree. Now, another technique is, it's called a couple of different things. It's known as table tipping. It's also known as table turning or even saw table moving. To be clear, Basically, these are not the turntables from Reno. <laughs> Yes. Or the DJ. They're yes. the, neither neither of those turntables. This is this is a very specific kind of uh actually it's a very non-specific kind of table because it's what it, you do with a regular table that makes it impressive. It really is. And it's one of the earliest and most popular methods of experimentation in home circles. So basic technique is really simple. 
You Now, you do need a small to medium-sized wooden table. I mean, you can't be doing this with a big dining room table. <laughs> <laughs> that would be really impressive if you could. could. <laughs> no, you need a small table. And actually, they specified you could do it with four legs, but three were preferable on the table. You need around four to five people. Of course, a quiet room with dimmed lights. Naturally. Of course. <laughs> but what happens is people sit around a table with each person resting their hands flat on the top surface with their fingers spread. Then you would ask a question and the table would begin to vibrate and eventually move or tilt. It. I mean, I've heard stories of tables literally moving around and it, just moving around the room. And the people are on their feet just trying to keep up with this table that's going all over the place. That Which, seems like a whole other kind of parlor game. It does. Oh my goodness. Now, sometimes I've seen a technique. I was just watching a show where they were doing this and it was more of a rocking motion. Oh my goodness. Caitlin, they did it to spell out words. So what? it was rock rock and they'd be like a b c and when it hit the letter they wanted the table would stop then they'd have to start again o a. m f g <laughs> y yes. we have caitlin yes. would not be invited back to that circle please continue <laughs> i think our listeners are going to know if it involves wrapping out the alphabet we're not fans. We're not fans of this technique. Both of us have ADHD that's way too strong for that. We're going to misspell all the words, and you're going to be lucky if we give you anything other than alphabet soup. This is true. Though I will say, when I was watching it, like, I'm making this up, but let's say it was Henry. They got, like, H, E, N, and one of them was like, it's Henry, it's Henry. And they, like, stopped it. So I'm like, there are other people that think like us. Like, they didn't keep spelling it out. So it's a little bit like spelling it all out, and it's a little bit like Jeopardy. <laughs> Oh, what it kind of is. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I would like to You're buy a right. vowel. Please narrow this word down. Uh, Wheel of Fortune. Will yes, of Fortune. Wheel of Fortune. Sorry, not Jeopardy. <laughs> Wrong old show. Wow. Yeah, no, Wheel of Fortune. No. But it kind of is, but I just thought it was so interesting. But then I, I've also seen where the table literally lifts up and they're just following it around. And I knew a girl back home, or I shouldn't say a girl, it was a lady, but her family was into the divination, like her grandmother, her great-grandmother, and she talked about table tipping and that they did it for fun and they do it in the home and the table would move all over the place. And basically they're just trying to keep up with it. <laughs> I don't know, does it leave the house? That would be interesting, but they're just kind of hanging on for dear life as this table's <laughs> floating around their whole house. So... That sounds like I, quite the sight to see. And I know. I feel like I feel like if you combined that with a giant Ouija board, you would have Ooh. some solid communication. Oh, you would it makes me think of that old movie Mary Poppins. You remember when he's laughing and the table and chairs are all lifting <gasps> yes. up and stuff? It, that's kind of what it makes me think of how they describe this. Now, I do have a pamphlet. That talks about this from 1853, but it's not as long. They did a good job. Is the title long? No, not really. But the the name of the author, or lack of, is interesting. So it's an 1853 pamphlet called Practical Instructions in Table Moving with Physical Demonstrations. 
Thank you. Hmm. What is so hard about that? I, I don't know. That <laughs> seems pretty straightforward with a little subtitle that, you know, gets the whole thing across. I like it. Exactly. Now, the author was literally a physician. Capital A, physician. I don't know if he's saying... It, I, I, that's just what it says. Author was a physician. So, huh. there we go. Now, this is what's interesting. See if you... Okay, first of all, he believed that persons with a nervous constitution coinciding with the perfect state of health is most favorable to table moving. I. What constitutes a nervous disposition? Like generalized anxiety? Do you need full-blown hysteria? <laughs> like what are we talking about? Well, I love it's like as long as you're healthy in every other way. But if you're, yeah, if you have anxiety, you're nervous all the time, you'd be perfect at it. I feel like if you had a nervous disposition, you were automatically categorized as not healthy. I, I know. that was, And that was the quote, so... Anyway, that's who's perfect for it. Suggest having men and women present because hmm, the exquisite sensibility of women joined with the strong will of man constitutes one of the most favorable circumstances for the rapid manifestation of the phenomena. That sounds wrong. Yeah, no, it is 1853. No, yeah, for know. sure. But like, also, if the guy has yeah. a super strong will, like, is he willing the spirit to come through or is he willing the table to move because he's a jerk? I agree. Yeah, because a really strong will, it just makes them seem, seem like they wouldn't be very open minded. Like they wouldn't be. Yeah. Or at the very least, contrary to what the spirit's trying to do, because like when you have a strong willed child, are they going to roll with what the spirit wants them to do? Or are they rolling with what the spirit wants them to do? And that's why they're being strong-willed against you. This is, and I feel like with this seance method, you'd have to have a light touch. Like you're not trying to like, yeah, I I don't know. Well, that's what he thought. A physician thought. (laughs) Now this is what's cool. See, this kind of has a tie back to stuff we've talked about before. They felt the phenomenon was a result of a fluid not yet discovered by science. A magnetic fluid, maybe? That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> it took me back to like Swedenborg and Mesmer and all these magnetic mag- fluids. But yeah, that's what he put the result of was. Um, but I love he had a warning. Be careful because the furniture can fall on the feet of the participants and ladies can faint. So just a heads up. Maybe that's the real reason you have to have a small table. I, I, I mean, I would think so. Small you know, I was going to say, it's mobile, it can move freely, but we don't really think of tables you've seen, like this. You've seen Victorian footwear. We don't have steel-toed boots yet, and then ladies' heels are not sturdy. Like, if you drop a table on somebody's foot, it's going to break. Yeah. So. This, and those are. Yeah, yeah smaller table, I maybe agree. for the safety. It, it was OSHA's input on how to hold a sail. Good point. Oh, and they do suggest they're all wooden, which at first I was like, yeah, wood table. But back during that Victorian period, they had those heavy marble tops. Mm. Oh, my goodness, if that fell on a toe. Like, don't need that. So, I get it. Safety concerns. Small table made entirely of wood. Very good. So, that is table tipping, table turning. And if I remember right, there's talks about the suffragettes. Who would write some of their speeches or when they were getting ready to go out in public and speak on tables that were used for table tipping. They wanted the spirits to come through their writing. So that's kind of cool. I am so looking forward to covering some of our suffragists and uh, their involvement in the spirit world. Oh, me too. Like, I'll throw it in any chance I get. (laughs) Um, 
Now, the next method is slate writing. Um, if you don't, for some reason, know what a slate is, it's like a chalkboard. That's what we're talking about. Chalkboards were initially written on slate stone. That's literally how simple it is. Yes, absolutely. So the it was the ability of mediums have of facilitating writing by the spirits on slates, which just is a fancy way of saying they could get the spirits to write on the slate. They were blank slates. They were there was usually two, and they were bound together. So they were folded together, and then when you open them back up. The writing was on the inside part of the slate. So it was no human hand could have done it. Only the spirits would have been able to write on the slates. And it was very simple. You, the sitter, would ask a question and the writing would begin. Yeah, it makes sense. And I, I cracked myself up earlier thinking about this. Um, uh-huh. I can absolutely see merch that says Slater's going to slate. <laughs> He shared that with Joey and he told me to get out of the room. (laughs) I can appreciate it. The bad thing is when I hear Slater, all I think about is Saved by the Uh, Bell. So is it him doing a seance with the Like back to school. (laughs) It all ties together. That's the key here. It it all ties together. I kind of love it. I feel like then if we have that, we should have another shirt that's like anti-rapping. Like something about like... (laughs) Because we hate it so much and we mention it all the time. I don't know. If anybody has any good, funny ways to put that on March, yes. let us know. Something about using your voice and stops trying to spell it out for me. Oh, yeah. Nobody's that. got time for that. Nobody's got time. So the next method is automatic writing, which a lot of mediums, I mean, this is really common. This is used really frequently today. So it's the process of... Pro- Uh, The process of writing without using your conscious mind. So they call it spirit guided writing. So it may, it can occur when the medium is in an alert waking state, or it can occur when the medium's in a hypnotic trance. The, um, The medium is channeling the spirits and allowing them to guide the pencil to produce a message. It first began with a pencil attached to a planchette. But later, mediums just adopted the practice of holding it in their hands. And why we love this, it's a quicker and more efficient than communicating through raps or knocks. <laughs> it's like, no kidding. Just write out the message. What are they trying to say? Here, let me write it for you. I, I will do it. I mean, the original rappers, even Kate Fox, we talked about doing automatic writing. And I in no way blame her because, like, why? <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Have you ever tried automatic writing? I have. I actually, uh, I tried it when I was a kid because I think we've already shared our ages on here, but I'm going to date myself. Uh, Disney Channel used to have a TV show called uh, So Weird. Oh, okay. And Fee's aunt was like, she was having tremors in her hand and they put, she was like dozing one day. And so our lead put a pencil in her hand and she started writing it out. And it turned out it was her aunt's brother or... Fiona's father trying to communicate through his sister with automatic writing and it was really cool and they even did it to where they had first it was in English then it was in their special coded sibling language and then apparently they got like extra paranoid when they were kids and they'd write backwards in the secret language oh wow! so like there's a multi-step thing of it's not working anymore oh wait yes it is this is just the next level in our code when I saw them doing that I want to say I was 13 14 years old I could be wrong. I don't remember. Everything happened when I was 12 in my memory. So who knows? I get it. 
but I tried and I can get energy out of my hand. Like I can finally get like the, the, the itchy excess energy right. out. Like if I do automatic writing, but it's, it's absolute gibberish. It's not even symbols. It does not, does not work right. Yeah. Although I imagine if I practiced more, maybe, <laughs> I don't know. I know. I, I, this is something I'm really interested in. I've tried it once or uh, like a handful of times. Sometimes I get good information Sometimes I'm like you, it's just gibberish and makes no sense. Though I would say like on one or two occasions, I noticed my handwriting changed. Like I'm like that. And it wasn't anything like crazy, but I'm like, that's not my handwriting. That's, and I feel like, did you feel this too? Like when I start, it's like me and then it's like almost really erratic. And it's like, it's, it, it, it is a weird sensation when you do it. Yeah. I mean, if anyone wants to try it and has any better luck, please let us know how it worked and what you did differently than what we've (laughs) vaguely shared in our experiences. Maybe that won't work out as well as I think it does. No, I I think it's probably practice, like you said. Well, and um, I should probably take a class, which, you know, one day. Three classes at a time. That is your (laughs) I know. No, and I'm not going to right now. I'll put it out there. But I think also probably learning from people that do it on a regular basis. I'm sure there's a lot of techniques and so forth. But I think automatic writing is really cool. And I'm down to learn more of it. It's absolutely fascinating. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. The next one. And this is something, and correct me if I'm wrong, people, I I never like to say people never use this anymore. But if they do, I would think it'd be extremely rare. I'll put that one out there. And that is the spirit cabinet. Yeah, I don't think I hear much about people using any kind of version of the spirit cabinet anymore. I think magicians on stage getting out of locked boxes are the closest you get to this for the most part. But again, we could be wrong and this could be super common for you if uh, you know somebody who does Yeah, absolutely. I, I, gosh, I'm always like, I saw it on TV. I saw it on this. But can you tell I like watch a lot of TV involving spirits and mediumship and ghosts and... I mean, have we gotten through a single episode without me referencing a television show? No, no. Tonight's just my turn to (laughs) reference all kinds of TV shows. But there was a documentary on Netflix that was done. It's not the Tyler Henry one. I Forgive me. I think it's Life After Death. I may have that wrong. But they did a mediumship episode, which I have very mixed feelings on. I thought some of the mediums were amazing and others were questionable. Very questionable. But... They had a trance medium and they used a spirit cabinet. Now, Interesting. Yeah. It, and so let me explain what it is and, I'll, and um, I'll tell you how they did it. So a spirit cabinet was a device that can be anything from a simple curtained off area in the seance room to a wooden structure similar to a large cupboard with doors. Now, it's first introduced to the spiritualist movement by the Davenport brothers in the mid-1850s. And it's kind of cool. They got the idea actually from one of their audience members. So the audience member asked, could they produce their phenomena in a sealed container to prevent the collusion of accomplices? They thought if they're inside this container and things are still happening, they have to be authentic. So they built a wooden cabinet. It was seven feet high, six feet wide, and two feet deep. And they lo- they put it on sawhorses that kept it about 18 inches off of the floor. So I guess they could see, like, nothing's underneath it. Nobody's underneath there. And they had a, a hole cut out in the middle door for air and for the spirit hands to protrude. 
So what they did is the brothers would climb in and they were bound. Their hands were bound. Their feet were bound by audience members. So it reminds me so much of a magician. Like the audience members get to come up and make sure the restraints are good. There's no way they can move inside of it. (laughs) And then once the audience members were convinced that the brothers couldn't move, they were locked in. The doors of the cabinet were closed. And then after that, the spirit hands of men and women and children began to appear Out of the hole in the door, musical instruments began to play and musical sounds were heard from coming within. So that's like on a big scale. That's on a stage. That was kind of the Davenport Brothers things. On a smaller scale, people did this in homes. And that's why sometimes it was just a little curtained off area. They just put up some curtains to cover up the medium. And typically when the medium went into a spirit cabinet, it was important that their hands and feet were bound. And then they got started once they closed them off in the spirit cabinet. So I can tell you want to say something. Like I can tell. I just see your face. Go for it. I mostly just wanted to share the other idea we had for the name of the podcast because we were thinking of Tales from Inside Their Spirit Cabinet or Tales from the Spirit Cabinet, but we both realized that this is a lesser known tool of the seance and many people would not know what it was. I I just really wanted it because I love the Poisoner's Cabinet podcast <laughs> and I wanted another cabinet podcast and and it's okay. I'm very happy with Calling All Spirits, but now that people know what the Spirit Cabinet is, I had to share what the idea had been at the beginning. I know. And it was, no, it was a great name. And we were, we literally went back and forth on which one should we use. And um, yeah, I, you know, I don't know how I feel about the spirit cabinet. I will be honest. I'm not saying there weren't real authentic mediums that use them. I'm sure they did. I just think this is one of the tools that made it so easy for the fraudulent mediums. Because if you're covered up, nobody sees you, you can do whatever you want. Yeah, the holding hands around the table made it harder to Mm -hmm. do things that were not legit. Whereas if you're in a separate room, like you have even more leeway to to do stuff. Because especially if it's a curtain, like curtains move, y'all. Exactly. And I mean, how easy. I mean, think about magicians all the time that they bind their hands and feet with chains and stuff. They have keys. They can get out of them. They can slip out. I just, I think this is probably one of the tools. And I'm not saying that about the Davenport brothers. I'm not saying they were frauds. I'm just saying this tool, I think, if I was going to be a fraudulent medium, I would be like, I need a spirit cabinet. (laughs) And you need to close me off in it. Because then, I mean, you could play instruments from inside of it. Because no, people aren't like lifting, like, people aren't looking in during, while this is going on. I'm sure there was a rule like, keep the curtain closed. Don't, you know. So I just think it, I'm not a big fan of the spirit cabinet. Yeah, it's it's a lot of staging for a very little payout, in my opinion. Yeah, I just think it's so much more impressive to have the medium in front of you producing whatever, if it's direct voice mediumship, whatever it may be, when they can look at you and you're doing it. I mean, we don't get to go in spirit cabinets today. <laughs> like, we don't get to go do that. And if you have direct-to-voice mediumship and it's coming from inside a cabinet, you're even less likely to believe it. So, like, it undermines even the authentic ones in a lot of ways. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And that's getting back to the documentary. The medium, she was a trance medium, and she went into a spirit cabinet. 
So they bound her hands, bound her feet. Room was pitch black. And she was in a spirit cabinet. And then voices began appearing. Hmm. Mm, Yeah. I'm going to leave it there in case anybody. But I just. I kind of had the same thoughts that I have now. I think on that show they had some really good representations of mediums. I really do. I think there were some they could have utilized more. And showed off. And then I think there were some that were questionable. I just think it was questionable. That sounds like a valid set of questions to have. (laughs) And honestly, if you ever stop questioning the mediums that you observe, then you'll definitely have been taken in or over by a spirit. And we're going to have to have an exorcism. And I'm tired and not in the mood for that. What? An exorcism? Oh, my goodness. I think think you lost me on that one. I think I was following it. And then I'm like, what? No, just that if you ever get to the point where you're just accepting oh, every medium that comes at gotcha. you, then clearly you've either been taken in by a shyster or you've been possessed. And I don't have the energy for an exorcism right now. So, oh, I got uh, you. I'm glad you're questioning things is what I'm getting <laughs> Yes. At. No, I think we all question things. I mean, even those of us that are practicing or working, I mean, we. I think parts of us are, we still question and yeah, no. I think it's okay to have a little bit of skepticism. Healthy skepticism is not a bad thing. No, definitely a good thing. Okay, Caitlin, you're going to have to take a deep breath. So we're going to have to talk about it. It's the next thing on my list. I don't like it. I know. Okay, I'm only going to say the name once or twice. And then after that, what if we just say the E word? So the E. Uh, you can if you want, but we describe <laughs> it, and that's the problem. Okay, so plug your ears really quick. So everyone, we are going to talk about Caitlin's favorite topic, <laughs> ectoplasm. Blech. I know. So it's considered by spiritualists to be the basis of all physical phenomena, and it's sometimes referred to as teleplasm or ideoplasm. That doesn't sound as bad. That's that's kind of nice. Um, It comes from the Greek word ecto, meaning outside, and plasma, something that can be formed or molded. Okay, Caitlin, prepare. It is a supernatural, light, thick, and gooey substance that exudes from the body of the medium during a trance, and it forms the material for the manifestations of the spirits. So, one... Uh, it's even described in 1883 as alive, sensitive to touch, and light, cold to the touch, slightly luminous, and having a characteristic smell. See, as a kid who grew up in the 90s, how does nobody else jump immediately to the slime from Universal Studios or Nickelodeon's gag? Like, that is... What I feel like, because it's cold, and it's ooey, and it's goopy, and it's viscous, which is never a good word to hear when there's something coming out of your body. No. And And it's... Uh, I know, and I knew that word, and I'm like, do I just mention it, or do I skip it? <laughs> because I know. It almost <laughs> makes me think of, like, petroleum jelly. I don't know. It's just a weird... I don't know. A French doctor in the 1920s said it felt at times like spider webs over your hand and at other times like a hard, knotty, and fibrous substance. 
Um, it can also take the shape of a face, a hand, or the complete body of a communicating spirit. So it could look like your loved one in spirit. And it came out of the medium through the mouth, the nose, ears, basically anywhere you could have an opening. Let's just leave it at that. Name an orifice and it came out. Yeah. Typically, though, the face, the facial area. That was... Oh, there's a couple of famous examples to the contrary. I know. I'm trying, all not comfortable. I'm trying to make it sound better. <laughs> I, I, did, I did have something occur to me that does make it a little bit okay. better and at least funnier. The way it behaves, how it kind of morphs and has a life of its own and it makes shapes and faces and stuff. It kind of reminds me of Flubber. Mm, I like that. We can think of it as Flubber. It's a much better example than the blob that will slowly take over humanity because it's goopy and it covers things over. Oh my god, it think- makes me think of Ghostbusters when he's like, I've been slimed, and he's like, just cover. That's what I think of with <laughs> ectoplasm. Oh my gosh. Oh, Caitlin, that would so be your luck if you went to one of these. Like, something would happen, you just get, like, splashed with it or something. I'm saying. Oh, my goodness. This isn't going to be very much better. It is very sensitive to light. So that's why they did a lot of the seances in the dark, because if light hit it, like, it couldn't be exposed to light. And then at the end of the seance, the ectoplasm is reabsorbed into the medium's body. So it just kind of gets sucked right back inside. Yeah, that does not make it any no, better. No, all. it doesn't. It doesn't. Just where wherever it came from, it's going to go back. It's going to go back. Um, now, we really don't know what ectoplasm is, but a call back to Emanuel Swedenborg in 1744, he re- he reported seeing this. He did, I think this description's a little better. He described it as a kind of a vapor steaming from the pores of his body. It was the most visible watery vapor. And fell downwards to the ground upon the carpet. It sounds like he saw dry ice and conflated it in his brain with a vision. Oh, I just hope he had the carpets cleaned. Like if it's yeah, for sure. Yeah, ectoplasms. It's um again. I not saying it doesn't happen now. Not putting it out there. I'm just gonna say I think ectoplasm is very rare now. I am really okay with that. Yes. So if if someone has never been to see a medium, please do not panic. More than likely, you're never going to deal with ectoplasm ever. Odds are if ectoplasm makes an appearance, they will be as surprised as you are. Yes. Yes. So this is not the norm. Don't let that keep you from seeing a medium. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I've never even heard of at least... Except for my mentor that's been around for years. I believe she's seen ectoplasm. But for modern day mediums, it's just, it's, it's not something that really happens. Like it did back then. Let's put it like it, it did yeah. back then. I mean, I don't even really think that it being part of the norm really survived the jazz age. I don't think it did. It, it really fell away. And once again, it was one of those really easy things to fake. And I think that kind of ruined it, too, because so many people started faking it, which it'd be it'd be scary enough if this was really coming out of you. But I would think it would be, for lack of a better word, natural because it's happening organically. 
it'd be less upsetting than the stuff that they used to fake it because exactly. egg whites and muslin cloth coming out of your nose sounds deeply unpleasant to me. Yes. And, and honestly, a, a lot of the pictures you see online, if you Google ectoplasm, it's obviously cheesecloth. Like as soon as you see our muslin, you're like, mm, I don't think so. And they made it cold and slimy with egg whites. That just doesn't sound health. I mean, that 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 cannot be good for you. Like, no. I mean, pulling cheesecloth out of your nose sounds acutely uncomfortable. Oh. And then the egg whites, I guess, lubed the path, maybe? I don't know. I do know that I would gag. I would gag so hard if I was doing any of this. Oh, yeah. No, I would. I mean, if, if I was a fraudulent medium, I would just be like, we're going to skip over the ectoplasm. Like, we're not going to do mm. that. Let's find some other tricks that we can make happen. <laughs> I guess the ones that did it. That uh, were frauds. More, I guess they were dedicated. We can give them that, but ugh. that's true. If you're trying to make a buck and you're desperate, oh, that's true. Maybe, may, maybe uh, I don't know. I felt like there are better hard, ways. Hard pass, regardless. Hard yes. pass. Well, Caitlin, we're done with that. We're yes. gonna move on. <laughs> Not saying we won't revisit it if we talk about some mediums from this time period, but for now, oh, I know we it's are hard to get around it. No, you can't. It was a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Now, the next, we only have just a few more. The next one is a port. And this is one I learned of really recently in one of my classes. A port is when an item has been dematerialized from its original location and then materialized in the seance room by the spirit. So basically, the best way I can describe it, say you have a bracelet sitting on your dresser. It's going to disappear from your dresser and reappear on the seance table. Like, and it doesn't have to be in your house, but that's just what they're talking about. It disappears from one location, reappears on the seance. And it's it's real. It's not a vision. It's not an apparition. It's the real thing. And that's a port. Yeah. I'm kind of wondering what came first, the word a port or if teleport was coined first. Ooh, that's a very great question. And I don't know. Hang on. I'm going to look that up real quick. Yeah, look it up. And I, because I was going to, I'll give you, um, I was like, what was I going to say? I was like, I'll give you some cover. Look it up while I talk. <laughs> what am I even talking about? So continue the thing you were doing with the talking? <laughs> yes. I've made it sound so much more like spy like, like, I gotcha. <laughs> I'm incognito. <laughs> no. Okay. So when I first heard a report, now, Granted, if it's in the middle of the seance and this is happening on command, that still blows my mind. That's like Harry Potter level to me, like if this is happening. But if you think about it, how many of you, and I've had this happen to me, like you set something down, you go back, it's gone, especially like keys. This happens with keys all the time. Like I know I set my keys down on the table, you, you search it, can't find them, look and look and look, and then when you come back, they're sitting right where you left them. To me, that's gotta be in a port. I mean, that or the house pixies are mad at you because I've done the same thing with the purse. I will turn my purse upside down looking for something, give up on it, and three weeks later, it'll be in the middle of the purse. Yes. Okay, so that's why I'm like, I think this happens a lot more often than we think. It's just like not on command in a seance, like in front of us. But I My only thing would be, does the word still count if it's... A member of a different community causing mischief in your house. I don't know. And see, that's something I need. Okay, maybe we need a podcast on this because I know nothing about little house pixies. But they sound like they could be sweet, but also they sound like they could turn on you, too, if they got mad at you. I don't know. I I I don't know. 
depending on the lore, you're you're not wrong, actually. Although I did see a TikTok earlier today. There was a woman who does, actually it's a couple, I think. They do African mythologies, and apparently there is a different form of fae that come, oh. that originate on the African continent. And they're, like, related to the European fae, but uh-huh. they're not the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, really fascinating, and she, like, triggered my brain to want to learn more in the three-minute video. <gasps> It was very cool. Yes. Like that. Yeah. I I would love to learn more about fairies and pixies. It's like it doesn't make it like I believe wholeheartedly in spirits. Like you can't convince me they don't exist. And it's like I really want to believe in fairies and pixies. And I would say like 80 percent of me does. But there's I've still got that little like, wait, is this real? Is this all real? (laughs) Like I don't (laughs) like I want to like I'm just not quite 100 percent yet. But I love, I mean, I love the idea of it completely. So I th- I'd love to learn more. There are scarier versions and there are less scary versions. But yeah, that could definitely be a whole episode. <gasps> Honestly, we could make that a series if we wanted to go in depth on any of them. Well, I, um, I, I vote yes, because I want to learn. <laughs> and in the meantime, I have an answer. Yes, please. So teleport dates from the 40s, it looks like. Mm. So tele is... Uh, basically means from far off or operating over a distance and then transport and port things around that's been around since forever right but apparently between the 30s and the 40s they kind of combine them together and then by the 40s with like television and oh, then teleport okay. like as the as the telepart became more common it looks like teleporting became a thing so it doesn't date that far back in sci-fi history which is impressive yeah i would have thought that teleporting would date like you know at least to hg wells yeah i would think so too huh that's interesting very cool well thank you for that thank you for giving me the cover i needed (laughs) you're welcome i don't know where that came from (laughs) so the last little things we have phantom lights would appear so it ranged from little lights to large lights would start appearing in the room Again, why you need a dark room. You'd actually have materialization of spirits for all to see. Not always with ectoplasm, just the spirit would appear in the room. They'd also, I love this because it makes me think so much of the Haunted Mansion in Disney World. Or in Disneyland, which is like my all-time favorite ride. But they'd have instruments scattered on the table and around the room. And they'd start to play all by themselves. And one of the big things they would do, they would put a bell underneath a glass jar and they'd hear the bell ringing when no one could actually uh, be touching it and if they used a spirit horn what sometimes they call a trumpet though it's different than what you would think of as like the musical instrument trumpet but if you use spirit horns in your seance it's said that the seance could last actually two to two and a half hours when your normal seance was an hour to an hour and a half so that was kind of interesting have you ever seen, okay, have you ever been on the ride or at least seen the video of Madame Leota? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I just, and she's like, let them play. And I just, I don't know. Whenever I think of the musical instruments, I'm like, I love it. I, I did like the drama of her playing the instruments. The, uh, the lore that goes along with her is problematic. Oh. Um, in a lot of ways. Oh, I don't even know the lore. I just love that scene with like the little it- crystal ball. <laughs> it. It, it involves her just being one of the stereotypes of the gypsy fortune teller, oh. which is something that a lot of the Roma people have asked us to stop perpetuating. Oh, I can see and, that now. Yeah. But I will say, like, I, I do agree the way the instruments were going, that yeah. was very impressive and very striking. That's 
I think why Disney included it. Like, why wouldn't yeah. you include the more visually striking part of that? Yeah. But we also know that Disney was a screaming racist. So the rest of it doesn't surprise me either. Oh, gosh. <laughs> no, I guess I had never thought about that. I just love that ride. But yeah, I can see where that would be problematic. I could see that. So the last thing, what we're going to end on is the Ouija board also, which was first known as a talking board. Now, we're just going to give a little brief description on this because, trust me, we're going to do a whole episode dedicated (laughs) to the Ouija board. So we will get there. But what it started off just as a talking board. And it was simply letters on a board. So you're not having to wrap anymore. It's They'd put a planchette on the board and it's like, hey, just point to the letter you want to spell out your messages. So that's why they called it a talking board. And it was a quicker method of communication. But then later it became known as the Ouija board. And that starts in 1891. It's when it first appears as Ouija. But talking boards were around before that. So yes. So and I think that's what a lot of people think of when they think of a seance. It's always like the Ouija board. The Ouija board. So. Yeah, see, the Ouija board never occurred to me when I was thinking of seances. I always separated them in my head because Ouija boards were for anyone to use, and a seance required a medium. That makes sense. I guess, but I get yeah, because even during the Victorian period, they may use them, but if they're doing home seances, the real deal, they had a medium there. Yeah, absolutely. But I think you're probably in the norm on this one, where a lot of people combine the two of them a lot. And I think it's that's probably also pop culture because whenever you see it in a movie or TV show, we're like, we're going to have a seance. They always break out, typically the Ouija board. This is true. Yeah. Fair point. Yeah. So don't worry. We will dedicate a whole episode, maybe two. The history is in, not insane, but it's it's too interesting a history to skim over. Yeah, absolutely. But we certainly wanted to mention it here. And there's some really cool vintage ones. We both... Had the opportunity to see one from, I think you're, that one dated, I know it's 1890s. I don't know the exact, but it was like one of the early ones. Yeah, it was made of wood. It had the press lettering in. I eventually figured out that its origin story, as far as we knew it, was that it was found in the uh, trunk in the attic when the house was moved. And that's the extent of our knowledge. So, I mean, it could have been one that was put there in like the 30s and 40s when the house was being used for not just a family dwelling, or it could be from when the family was still there. I mean, how cool is that? If you're going to find a Ouija board from the 1800s, (laughs) you find it in a trunk in the attic. I mean, oh yeah, there's no better way. I remember I did look up the exact date and I just forgot. It wasn't 1891, but it wasn't far off of that it was definitely in the 1890s it would have been one of the early ones then because yeah. i mean ouija doesn't date that far back no no because it had pictures it was probably our new friend it was probably his website because it was like the whole <laughs> history and museum of ouija boards and they had a picture of one from you know kind of like then this model this model and i found that one it was maybe like the second one i was like this is so cool i remember having to transport it in my car And I sent my mom a picture. I literally like had it safely in a historically or curatorially appropriate way. But I literally had it strapped in the front seat just to keep it safe. And I remember sending a picture to my mom. My mom was like, please be careful driving with that in your car. Like, please be careful. She's like, are you okay? Is this okay? I'm like, it's fine. It doesn't have a planchette. It's not going to start talking. Like... Same reason I stored it on its side in the house. It was not going to be, no one, couldn't even accidentally use a planchette unless it was defying gravity. 
Exactly. Yeah, I just remember she be, she's like, oh my goodness. I'm like, we're fine. It's fine. I just have a Ouija board in my car. No big deal. I've transported coffins in my car before. We're fine. I mean, who hasn't? <laughs> I love that. Who hasn't? Who hasn't had one of those in their car? You load and- it in the back of the pickup. Duh. I think just you and me. Who hasn't had a hearse from the 1800s? <gasps> the hearse made me so happy. It's so pretty. I know. I, I love how we're like, who hasn't done that? But I'm like, Caitlin, most people have not done that. <laughs> I work with people from the funeral industry a little more often now. I've met more people who run coffins around than I knew before. That is true. That is very, very good point. Very good point. But that is some of the most common methods. I'm sure we didn't cover everything. We're going to dive into a few a little more in depth later on, but at least gives you an overview of the common tools and methods of the seance. And it'll definitely come in handy as we go through more biographies later on, because they do come up a lot. And making sure that y'all knew what the heck we were talking about kind of seemed important because we already mentioned like automatic writing with the Fox sisters episode and getting into what that actually meant. And because we're definitely going to be talking about a couple of mediums who used slate writing Mm -hmm. and the ectoplasm is going to come up. (laughs) We wanted to do just basically a really long episode with clarification of terms. Yeah, (laughs) no, definitely. You will hear them again. So very good. All of them at least once. Yeah. Thank you all so much for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, please do us a favor and appease the podcast gods of Spotify and Apple and whoever else you listen to us on and leave us a rating or a review so they know that you like us and you want to hear more from us. While you're there, if you want to hit subscribe so you know when we release new episodes, then you'll know when we release new episodes. Absolutely. And as always, we want to hear from you. So Let us know what you think about this episode. If there's any other spirited topics you want us to explore in future episodes, or if you have a really cool ghost story, we may Mm -hmm. share it on the podcast. So you can find us on Instagram or Facebook at Calling All Spirits Pod, or you can email us at Calling All Spirits Pod at gmail.com. And if you're feeling lucky, you can always try one of the many tools we went over here today and try to contact us from the spirit realm. Except for ectoplasm. Don't use ectoplasm. Yeah, don't use ectoplasm. No, don't. (laughs) (laughs) But until then, bye, everybody.